We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Could we exalt Him right now? That means He's lifted up higher than any, anything, anyone, any purpose. Could we exalt Him? Hallelujah. God, You're the God on high. We exalt You today. You're the God of glory. We exalt You today. You're the God of our salvation. We exalt You today. You're the God of our healing. We exalt You today. You're God. We exalt You today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless Your name today. Bless Your name today. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank You, Lord. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship this morning. Hallelujah. We had contemplated, this was a few weeks ago, and I guess maybe Becky straightened me out, or maybe doing a cappella. You know, a lot of our worship team is on vacations. That's okay. Man, the rest of our worship team just filled right in, didn't they? Great job. Thank you. Thank you. The, the problem with acapella was be they could hear me. So I think Becky knew that. So she. God doesn't care what it sounds like. You can be as off key as it comes. God doesn't care what it sounds like. It comes from the heart. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. But it's so much better when you have people that sound good. And you folks, thank you for worshiping the Lord this morning. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Daniel, chapter 3. Good to see our visitors today. Good to have friends with us. And let's give our visitors a tabernacle of praise welcome. Please make yourself at home. I'm going to read a story that's very familiar. It's a story you've probably heard preached thousands of times. We're going to go, we're going to go with 1001. Is that okay? Daniel chapter 3, we're going to read verses 8 through 18. <clears throat> Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all the kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the prince of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do you not, do you not, do not you serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready at the, what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour in the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Man, that was the wrong question for him to ask. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, 
we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. You know, after hearing this preached in so many variations and so many varieties and so many times, a lot of times we can come to a place where we uh, kind of take for granted that God will actually heal the sick, that He'll actually meet financial needs, that He'll actually open prison doors, and He'll actually put broken marriages back together. But sometimes, you know, that God does not heal. Sometimes He does not work a miracle. Sometimes He doesn't repair a broken home. Sometimes He doesn't provide a financial relief. So I want to talk to you just a little bit today about if not. If not. My question starting this sermon today is, what will you do if the answer is no? We're Americans. We're not used to that answer. And we'll keep asking the question until we get a yes. What will you do if God doesn't deliver? What will you do if God doesn't heal? Boy, those aren't popular questions, are they? Those are not the things we want to hear. Questions that we don't often entertain within ourselves because we become conditioned and so accustomed to coming to God, believing that He will, that we understand sometimes God says no. But our experiences with God say, I know He can heal. I know He can provide for my need. I know He can put things back together. But if not, and here's where a lot of people stop, but we have to go beyond the if not. If he doesn't, I'll still love him. If he doesn't, I'll still love him. If he doesn't, I'll still trust him. If he doesn't, I'll still serve him. Our text is a very familiar story. We've all heard it preached and preached and preached about the fourth man and how he's still in the furnace just waiting to go for us to go through our trial and about a furnace that was designed to destroy these three young men, yet it was the furnace that they were delivered from. Notice what these three young men said. We know that God is able to deliver us out of the fiery furnace. We, we have no doubt about that. We know He's able. We know that God can send angels from heaven to bear us up and get us out of this crowd. We, we, know, we know that God could kill each and every one of you. We know God can do that. We, we know that the same God that opened the depths of the Red Sea so that our forefathers could pass through on dry ground, we know He could do something with this measly little furnace. This furnace is nothing compared to the Red Sea. We know that our God is able to deliver us, King, but they really knew their God, didn't they? Man, they, listen, they knew their God, didn't they? You see, they said all these things before they were ever cast into the furnace. They said all these things before they were ever cast into the furnace. Oh, that I might know him. Paul said, oh, that I might know him. Oh, that I might know him. These boys said, but if not... If not, we still trust Him. You know, trust is not about what we think is going to, He's going to do. Trust in God is not about what we think He's going to do. It's trust in knowing that He can do it. Not whether or not He will. That, that's not trust. But it's the fact that He can. That's trust. They, they said all of this again before they even knew the outcome of their circumstance. For all they knew, this was the last words they were ever going to say. They were ever going to speak. Maybe they were writing their own death sentence by not obeying Nebuchadnezzar. For all they knew, they were going to wake up 
from this fiery furnace and be in the presence of their living God. They had no clue about any of that. They just said, O king, if we die in the furnace, hey, we want to tell you something now before that happens. We're never going to bow. We're never going to bow. We're never going to serve any other God than our God. Well, they knew their God, didn't they? We'll never forsake the experience that we've had with our God. We'll never turn our backs on our God. They made this very clear. We're not sure what's going to happen, but we know, God, you're able. But if not, we still worship Him. Can you worship Him in the if not? Can you believe Him in the if not? Can you trust Him in the if not? Listen, I, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I, I don't know if God's going to. He ever thought that? I don't know if God's going to heal me, but He can. Oh, that's a lack of faith. No, that's trust. That's trust. I know He can. If He does or not, that's Him. That's up to Him. He said, Jesus said many times to people that wanted a healing, be it done according to thy faith. Be it done according to thy faith. So I put my faith in God. I put my trust in God. And God does what God does. I don't know if He's going to deliver me or not. I, but I know He's able. I know He's able. But if He doesn't, I'm still going to worship Him. I know He can, but if not, I'm still going to serve Him. You know, Job was a man that loved God. And the Bible said he eschewed or he hated evil. He loved God and he hated evil. He was a respected man in his community. As a matter of fact, when you read, you find out that he was known as the greatest man in the East at that time. I mean, a lot of people knew about Job. They knew about his life. They knew about his character. They knew everything about him. They knew he owned a lot. They knew he had a lot. They knew he served a God. He was, he was the man every pastor wants to pastor because he loved God. He loved God. His was a life that was perfect in fulfillment of Deuteronomy 28. If you get a chance when you get home today, read Deuteronomy 28. God's promises to those who not only listen to His commandments, but do them. Here's what they would be. And this was the man that was Job. If you serve God, you obeyed His commandments. Deuteronomy 28 said this, You'll be blessed. Blessed shalt thou be in the city. Blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shalt thou be the fruit of thy body and of the fruit of the ground, and of the fruit of the cattle, and of the fruit of the sheep. Blessed shalt thou be thy baskets in thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in. Blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies to rise up against thee, to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against the one way, but they'll flee seven ways. They may come in one way, but they're going to they're gonna find any door they can to get out. The Lord shall command the blessings upon thee in thy storehouse in all that thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord God giveth thee. Man, if you keep his commandments and obey his word, what, wow, wow, but that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds pretty great, doesn't it? But without provocation, without reason, without any change in Job's lifestyle, everything changed. He didn't curse God. He didn't turn to other gods. He didn't backslide. Job was doing what was right, still loving God, still hating evil, without warning, without an apology, without any kind of explanation. His life was turned upside down all in one day. Man, we have, we have a problem that lasts a month or two months, and we're just, 
You know, I'm doing my best not to backslide, God, but you need to show up now. God, I, I've, I've searched your ways and I've, I've done all that you've asked me. Maybe not that one, but I've done everything else. That you, well, maybe not that one. But I, you know what? I've been pretty good, God. Where are you? All in one day, the Sabaeans took his oxen. Fire fell from heaven and consumed all of his sheep. The Chaldeans took all of his camels. A tornado destroyed his home and killed his children and all their spouses. His health failed him. His wife turned against him. His friends tried to encourage him by asking what he had done to deserve all this. And I'm sure that Job would have loved to have given them some kind of an answer. But Job didn't have a clue. Because Job still loved God. Eschewed evil. He still lived for God. He didn't know why this was happening. You ever wondered sometime why this is happening? Sure you have. I have. What is going on here? Why is this happening? You know what? The why and the where and the what is up to God. Me serving Him is up to me. The why, the where, the what is up to God. The me trust, the trust in God is up to me. Living for God, up to me. Sure, he became frustrated. Read the story. Job got confused. He got angry. He even became a little sarcastic. Read the story. He was petulant. He endured just about every kind of emotion that a man could endure going through something like this all in one day. Imagine now, all of this happened in one day. But Job chapter 1, verse 22 says this, In all this, in what? what we, in everything that just happened to Job, in all this, Job sinned not. Oh, that I might know my God that well. That I might trust my God that well. That I might believe my God that well. That in all this, whatever I might go through, if not, nor did he charge God foolishly. He didn't say something that put God in a situation where people would look and say, that's your God? That's your God? Job knew his God. Job knew his God. Do you know your God today? Do you know your God today? It's the one thing to know of God. I've said this a, a bunch of times. I'll say it again. Trump's president. Now Biden's president. I know of Joe Biden. I've read a lot about him. I've listened to him. I know him, but I don't know Joe Biden. If I call the White House today and ask Joe Biden to play golf, I'm probably going to see some Secret Service agents today, and they're going to come ask me why I'm calling the White House. Because I don't, but you know what? I'll bet if his son called him, no, white, yeah, no guards, no, no, no Secret Service. Why is that? Because his son knows him. Oh, that I might know God. That my connection with God goes beyond the knowledge of who He is and what He is and what He can be. But just to know Him. Job served his God. Job trusted his God. You know, the Scripture tells us that one day he's sitting there and he's got boils all over. I don't know, it's kind of gross. I remember when I was a little kid, I had a boil one time. It was awful. It was just one. It was awful. I remember... A friend of mine, the guy I lived with, he had one on his back. It was awful. So his dad had a, yeah, I'm going to tell the story. It's, 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 okay, I need to get the gross in it. So his dad had him lay down on the, on the floor on his stomach, and a friend of his was there. And his dad got one of those, you know what a corn broom is? Got the long stem? Yeah. And so he had his friend push on it and push on it, and Ronnie's yelling. And so he sticks that corn broom, in the, and that thing hit the ceiling. Now, now that you've that all nice and good and we're about to go have lunch, 
Job is sitting around, and he's got these all over his body. And he's got this, he's scraping them. He's scraping them off. He's scraping, and he's sitting there trying, what happened? What, what happened? Everything's gone. I've got all this. What happened? You know, how long is this going to last? This is awful. Then his friends show up and say, well, what'd you do? I kind of figure this is how the conversation went. His friends show up. Job, aren't you mad that God's not telling you what's going on here? Aren't you mad that God's not revealing what the situation is? Doesn't it bother you that he at least didn't explain to you before all this happened what was going on? I would imagine his friends, don't you ever get upset and just question God about what he's doing or not doing? At this point, what do you got to lose, Job? A bunch of boils? But Job turns to them and says this, I'm not going to lie to you. I'd love to speak to God about all this. I think Job was just as human as you and I. I'd love to speak to God about this. I wish I could talk to him or have a mediator, someone that would sit with God and I so that we could have this counsel together about what's going on here in my life. But I can't do it because I'm a man and God's not like me. He's not a man. And I think Job might have said, the only thing I think that could be worse than everything that's happened is that for God to step down out of heaven riding on a white horse with a flaming sword in his hand and he looks me in the eye and he drives the sword through my heart. But fellas, in case that does happen, let me tell you this right now. Though he slay me, yet, yet I will trust him. If he came down on a white horse with a fiery sword and ram it through my, if he did that and he killed me, I'm still going to trust him. You know, as John the Baptist said in prison cell, he was the victim of a Jezebel-type woman. She was jealous, and she wanted his head removed. And I'm quite sure John the Baptist had some questions for Jesus. He must have been thinking, that I, you know, I, I was the forerunner. I came in, you know, I was to bring the kingdom of God. I preached the message that I was supposed to preach, repentance, baptism, and I submitted to him when he came, and I, I backed up so he could have his ministry, and man, I think I've done everything right. You ever felt that way? God, I think, I think, I've, I think I've kept everything pretty much in check, and I think I've done everything right. Because of all this, I, I would imagine John the Baptist at some point sitting there was thinking, at any minute now, Jesus is going to show up, and he's going to bust these prison doors wide open, and he's going to take me out of here. But as he sits there days, nothing happens. So he sends a messenger to Jesus and asks him, are you the Messiah or should I look for another? Jesus gave him an interesting response. You see, Jesus' answer wasn't yes and it wasn't no. He didn't answer him either way. So the messenger stayed with Jesus a bit and he observed Jesus and what Jesus did. Then Jesus said, now go back and tell John, not that I'm the Messiah. Here's what you go tell him. The blind receive their sight. Don't tell him I'm Messiah. Follow him. This is what you tell him. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. But what was more interesting is what Jesus didn't say. You see, the passage that Jesus was referring to here, because he was, the words he was speaking to the messenger came from Isaiah 61. 
And he was speaking word because you know what? He stated his purpose. Isaiah 61 said he would come to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, comfort those who mourn, give the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And Jesus knew that John knew the passage. He knew that John knew the passage. And John knew the part of the Messiah's anointing is contained in the Scripture because there's another portion of that that says he will open the prison doors to them that are bound. So what was, actually John, what was Jesus actually saying to John? John, you know I can open those doors, but I choose not to. I choose not to. Jesus could have come, moved everybody out of the way, busted the doors wide open, and let him out of that prison. But he chose not to. That seems awful, doesn't it? His cousin that's, that led the way to, into his ministry was about to be, be beheaded because of a jealous Jezebel. But Jesus chose not to. The question is, John, can you, can you accept this and not be offended? You see, that's where a lot of people go. But when it comes to the point where he says no, then an offense arises. We're offended because God didn't heal us. We're offended because God didn't give us the money. We're offended because God didn't put our marriage back together. We're offended because God didn't help our children. We're offended because God didn't do this. We're offended because he said no. Blessed is the one who can take no for an answer and not be offended. Blessed is the one who can take no for an answer and not be offended. Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter as we know it. It's laced with people who subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promise, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, waxed vigilant in fight, turned enemies to flight, Women saw their dead raised again. But without pausing, Paul continues on and says in this same faith chapter that there were Christians that were tortured, some having cruel mocking and scourging, others in bonds and imprisonment, some stoned, some sawn asunder, others tempted, others slain with a sword, some were destitute, some were afflicted and tormented, some were wandering in the deserts and in the caves and in the mountains. All in the faith chapter. They were all good Christians. Not any of them was faithless. But while some had lion's mouth shut up, others were stoned. While some had their children brought back to life, others were tortured. Well, God is able to turn the enemy to flight, but sometimes the Christian's enemies weren't turned to flight. And blessed are they that said, I know God can, but if not... I'll still trust him. If not, I'll still serve him. If not, he's still my God. God, I know there's a storm I'm going through right now. I'm going through a hard time. You go, is there anybody here going through a storm today? What is a storm? It's when your ship is in there and it's reeling and rocking and rolling and you don't know which way. You don't know if it's going to sink. You don't know what's going to happen. Are you, is, your, is there a storm in your life right now? Can you still trust God? What if he lets your boat sink? What if he lets your boat sink? Do you still trust him? Man, I'm going through this valley, Lord. It's, man, I just can't see 
Everything beside me, and I'm in the valley, and I can't see what's going on around me. Everything's got my mind so tired, so tied up that I can't even. All I can see is the valley. Can I still serve Him? I don't like the trial, God. This is a tough one, Lord. I've had trials in the past, and you know, Lord, I, I came through it. But this this trial in my life, I don't see any way out. You ever felt that way? There doesn't seem to be any way out. But if he says no, will you still trust him? Will you still start? Is he still your God? Listen, church. I, I think in the church world today, it's time for the church to renew their trust in God. Don't think we're not exempt from anything in the first part of Hebrews 11 where they were we, what we deem successful in faith. But the second part, I read, we, we read the second part about those that were scourged and killed and all those things. Well, they weren't as successful in faith, as the, but they're in the same faith chapter. They're, they're held by God as the same faithfulness as an Abraham, as an Isaac, as a Moses. They're held in the same. And do you think that we're exempt from any of that? The church people he's talking about was our brothers and sisters living in the same dispensation of time that you and I live in now. Do we think because we live in America, that can't happen to us? Because if we do, we're, we're, we're all in trouble. Don't, don't think that that can't happen. We pray that that doesn't happen, don't we? We, we want to be victorious with the sword. and We want to shut the mouth of the lion. We lack that kind of faith. But when it comes to a place where, God, where are you? And they're about to cut our head off. And God says, no, let them go ahead and do it. Which one, in your mind, takes greater faith? Subduing lions? We like all those high highfalutin miracles, and they're great because they make us feel spiritual. But you want to feel spiritual? Be locked up for the kingdom. You want to feel spiritual? Have your life challenged for the kingdom. Do you know in our world today, there are those that are losing their lives for this? I'm not trying to sadden you about where we live here. Don't... But understand something. What would take greater faith? If God said yes, or if he said no. I think it's time for the church world to stand and say, you know what? Regardless, I'm going to trust him. Have you ever felt like, you know, if that happens to me, I'm not sure I can or can't? Let's be honest. Could you go through what Paul went through? Could I go through what Stephen went through? Could we go through what the apostles went through? Could, could we do that? Could I go through what Abraham went through? Could I go through what Isaac? Could I go with Moses? Yeah, part them seas, kill those lions, Dan, Daniel. Could I? Oh, yeah, 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 I can, I can do that. As long as God's shutting them up and cutting, getting, as long as he's doing that. Stand with me if you would. God, if you were to come out of the skies today on a white horse with a fiery sword 
and slice my heart in half with it. If you were to do that, even if you did that, God, I'm still going to trust you. That's what Job said. Though he slay me. I don't know why all this is going on in my life. I don't understand. No one's explained this and nobody can. Many times people come to my office because they want, to me, want me to explain to them why this is happening in their life. Sometimes we can, but most of the time we can't. Why is that? Because God is in a deeper thought process. He's working a different thing in your life than I can see or hear or feel or touch. And so we have to trust God that regardless of what we're going through, regardless of what's happening, we have to trust God that He is our God. You've heard Bishop talk about it. You've heard me talk about it. In whatever time and situation that you have an issue that comes into your life, whatever you turn to, that truly is your God. Let me just, if you have a severe issue in your life and you turn to Pastor Don, and I don't want this, Pastor Don is your God. If you turn to Pastor Don, I need some answers, Pastor Don. You know what? God doesn't need a three-way. God can speak to you directly. But a lot of times we turn to other. You know, I'm just going to go back to drinking. I mean, I I never, when I was drinking, I never thought about anything because I was always drunk. So I didn't have to worry about it. Now think about it. That's your God if that's what you return to. God, I'm going to work 80, 90 hours a week. I'm going to keep myself busy and keep my mind busy so that I don't have to, because your job is your God. Whatever you turn to, do you trust your job to get you through it? Do you trust alcohol to get you through it? Do you trust any of these things? Because I'm going to tell you, I'm standing and I'm telling you, none of them will get you through it. So why not trust in God today? Even if he says no. I'm going to open these altars right now. If you, if you just want to come and you know, sometimes there's a rededication time in our life just to say, you know what, God? Maybe I haven't told you lately, but I love you. Not, not say, Jesus loves me and I love him. Anything. Come down here and say, you know what, God? One of, the, one of the most rewarding things for me is just to have my kids out of nowhere say, hey, Daddy, I love you. I don't know. I didn't do anything, didn't they say I love you? You know what? That not only puts me on cloud nine, but it makes me feel like you know what? Maybe I've done something right here. Maybe I have someone that does love me. Nothing more rewarding than that. Hey, I love you. Nothing more rewarding than when one of my kids has a situation. They call daddy and say, hey, what do we do here? You know what? They trust what I'm about to tell them to be something that's good for them. Sometimes we just need to come to God and say, you know what, God. Regardless if you say yes or no, I love you. Regardless if you say yes or no, I trust you. Regardless if you say yes or no, I'm going to serve you. Lord, we all come here at this altar. I'm just asking you, church, right now as I'm praying, you pray with me. Don't listen to what I'm saying. Matter of fact, I'll put the mic down. You pray to God right now. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. 
We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.